My friends, we are back with another episode of the Yours Truly podcast. Thank you for tuning in or joining me for episode 98 here of our show. If you are a weekly listener of the pod, you'll notice that we did not have a new episode last week. I decided to take a little time off from recording, give my voice a little bit of a break. So thank you for being patient with me and returning this week where... Obviously, we have a new episode and some fun questions on this Q&A edition to dive into. So since this is a Q&A podcast, I'm going to skip our regularly scheduled programming, which typically goes by the name of our Goal Slayer featured post of the week. If you are new to the show, this is a segment at the beginning of every episode where I read or feature a post from our free private Facebook community. But since typically what I read or what I share there is a question and then I answer it, I figure we're going to get enough of that here in our Q&A. So we're going to get right into it. But before we do that one brief announcement, if you follow me on Instagram or on TikTok or on any other fun social media platform, you will notice that our merchandise here at Yours Truly is up and it is running. So if you not only want to be in your intuitive eating journey, making peace with food and movement and your body, but you also want to wear something that is reflective of that as you go about your journey. We have t-shirts. Our two styles are the long sleeve. Guilt is not a food group. It is super fun. You might have seen me wearing it in some of my stories. It has a peace sign made out of different foods on the front, which who doesn't love that? And the back is our phrase or our saying here that says guilt is not a food group. We also have stickers with that same saying on it. Uh, as far as stickers go, we also have the Yours Truly logo if you want to rep us on your phone case, your water bottle, your laptop case, your car bumper, I don't know, whatever it might be. But the second sticker or third sticker and also second t-shirt is the Food Is My Love Language merch. This one was inspired by my love for peanut butter and jelly. If you are new here, you will very quickly come to realize that peanut butter and jelly specifically is my love language. So we put that on a t-shirt and of course it says food is my love language and we have the same phrase on a sticker which you can put anywhere you please. So if you are interested in getting your hands on some merch and wearing your food freedom, food peace journey, you can visit my website clairetuning.com shop. That was very hard to say, too many S's there, <laughs> but clairetuning.com and then click the tab in the menu bar that says shop and it will take you to the page where you can order t-shirts and stickers and all of the fun stuff. But before, again, I get into my Q&A, I realized that I mentioned our Facebook community a couple of moments ago and that I was skipping our post, but I do not want to skip over how to tell you how you can join if you want to come and hang out with this. So 
this community is so wonderful and it is filled with a lot of really amazing and supportive individuals who are on some type of intuitive eating journey of their own. It's filled with my current, my past clients, and just a large number of individuals who want to learn more about intuitive eating and how to take those 10 principles outlined in the book intuitive eating and apply those principles to their everyday life. So we have weekly live videos, educational posts, like with any Facebook community, if you have a question, you can ask it. If you want to comment to support another member, you can do that as well because our community thrives off of support and connection. So if this sounds like something you are interested in, it is totally free and open for you to join. We would love to have you. Again, the place where you can find the brief application needed to join is also on my website, so you can check out the merchandise while you're there, but clairetuning.com slash community for the application to that group, and it will take you right there. But now, without further ado, let's dive into our Q&A. So if you are following along on Instagram, I guess about a week ago at this point when this episode airs, you may or may not have seen a fun question box on one of my stories asking for questions that you want to talk about, you want answers to about intuitive eating, life in general, I don't know, most of them were definitely focused on intuitive eating. So it has really been a while. I don't know exactly how long, but it's been a minute since I've sat down, just the two of us, or me and my microphone, and, and you on the other end listening to just answer some questions, to talk about some things or some topics that a people are curious about, and I see coming up in my DMs a lot, so here we are. I have chosen, let me see, about five or six questions that I feel like are pretty representative of things that I hear fairly often. There were a lot of repeat questions that I've tried to condense um, so I can answer as many of them as I can without making this episode like five hours long. So whenever I'm doing a Q&A, I always like to clarify that this episode and this podcast in general is for informational and educational purposes only. I am a dietitian, but I am not your dietitian unless you are one of my clients who is listening to this episode, in which case I am your dietitian. So I hope you will learn from this, but please notice that these answers are generalized and they are not 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 a substitute for individualized medical or mental health advice. So we're here to learn, but if you want to make any changes to your health, to your daily life, please consult your your dietitian, your treatment team, your medical provider, or whomever it might concern, and they can maybe help individualize some information to you and point you in the right direction. So first question that I would love to dive into is one that I probably get the most on social media, especially on TikTok for a lot of people who may be new to the intuitive eating message. And when I say I get it a lot in this question box alone, I probably got between 50 
and 75 questions along these same lines. So this question typically sounds something like, can I lose weight? with intuitive eating or my doctor tells me I need to lose weight for whatever reason. So how do I balance that with intuitive eating? There are a couple of different parts to my response here, so hang with me. The first is something that I will always say in response to this question. It is something that if you read the book, Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, side note, the newest edition of that came out in June. It hasn't even been a month when this podcast will air. So if you haven't read that yet, if you haven't got your hands on it, I highly recommend that. But this is a response or this is something that they talk about pretty frequently throughout the book. But when we're talking about weight and intuitive eating. Intuitive eating is a weight neutral process, meaning there is really no way for anyone, your dietitian, your doctor, your spouse, your friend, there is no way for anyone to know exactly what will happen with your weight as a result of healing and mending your relationship with food and recovering from dieting, from disordered eating, whatever you might have in your past. When we say this process is weight neutral, we mean that weight or more specifically the active pursuit of weight loss is not something that we are actively focusing on. We put that on the back burner to make space to talk about what it's like to heal your relationship with food, to stop yo-yo dieting, to clear up some mental space, to not be so clouded by food and dieting and rules at all times. So again, when we are saying this process is weight neutral, we say that some people may stay the same weight and may not really see a lot of changes or fluctuations in their physical body throughout this process. Other people may lose weight as a result of intuitive eating. It is not a promise, but for some individuals, it may be a possibility if where you are currently now is not your set point weight or is not where your body likes to be and feels healthy being without a ton of rules or restriction. And for other people, they may gain weight as a result of intuitive eating or healing their relationship with food especially if these individuals are recovering from any sort of restriction, from any sort of restrictive eating disorder or disordered patterns of eating, or if your weight needs to stabilize in a range, again, where your body feels safe and comfortable without having to abide by a thousand rules every time you go to eat or move your body. So that is one half to my answer that intuitive eating is a weight neutral process. There is no way to predict what will happen as a result of mending and healing your relationship with food. The other half of this answer when it comes to getting that piece of recommendation from your doctor, from any healthcare provider that says you need to lose weight. So it is my opinion and the opinion of many other dietitians who practice through an intuitive eating, a health at every size lens, that when you go to the doctor or again, any other medical provider and you walk away only with the advice to quote, lose weight through 
whatever unsustainable diet or weight loss program that they recommend, that's what we call lazy medicine. Especially if you were going to the doctor for something that has nothing to do with your weight. The example that I like to offer here is say you walk into the doctor because you are experiencing something like chronic headaches, or maybe you broke your finger. I don't know how you broke your finger, but let's say you broke your finger and you're sitting there and you really just want to take care of your broken finger or you want some sort of medication or solution for those chronic headaches, but maybe you are met with the recommendation to change your style of eating and to quote unquote lose weight. When really that recommendation or that piece of advice might not have anything to do with your broken finger or your chronic headaches. <laughs> that kind of talks to weight stigma in the medical setting and all of that that could honestly be an entire podcast on its own. But if you are met with this advice, again, especially if it has nothing to do with what your you know situation is or what you're hoping to get help with or if their advice on how to lose weight is very unsustainable right i've heard from many of my clients they'll walk into a medical provider's office and they'll be given a handout with foods that are quote unquote allowed and foods that aren't maybe they're told to cut out an entire macronutrient group which we know is not helpful for our physical or our mental health so if you're given some sort of recommendation that you feel is unsustainable or will be more harmful than it is helpful to not only your physical but your mental health it is your place and again i know this is going to look different for everyone and asking this type of question might feel really hard and really challenging in a medical setting because there is that power dynamic of but my doctor knows more and but they're the expert and i get that and i know speaking up and asking questions might feel really hard and really challenging and at the same time, I want to encourage you to remember that you are the expert in your own body. So again, if you're receiving advice or a recommendation that you know based on your history with dieting or disordered eating, it will not be helpful for you and maybe it will send you back into a disordered pattern with eating to simply ask your provider your doctor whoever you might be talking with is there any other recommendation that you have for me that's not based on dieting or cutting out these foods or trying to change or manipulate my body is there anything else you have for me? And if they say no, I think that is very interesting, right? If there's no medical advice that they have, medical solution, I think that uh, maybe it helps us to get more curious in saying, should I seek out a second opinion? Should I maybe look for someone who has advice for me that's actually gonna be helpful and not harmful? And the other thing that I might encourage you 
to think about, encourage you to ask. Again, this will depend on your comfort level and the provider you're seeing. This is a generalized response, remember. But if you're receiving advice from your doctor that, again, is based on restriction or cutting out a food group or going on one of these fad diets or taking a weight loss supplement, whatever this might be, to simply ask them, do you have any research to show that this intervention that you are recommending will be helpful for me in the long term? And you can clarify what you mean there by saying, you know, two to five years from now, where will this get me? Is it sustainable? Do you have research to prove that this diet, this approach to eating is doable for two to five years? What will happen to my body in the long run? And see what they say. See if they have anything, <laughs> because to my knowledge, all of the, the research and the information that I have seen on dieting is that we really have no studies to prove that any sort of diet, any sort of cutting out a food group or manipulating our bodies through restrictive means is sustainable, again, two to five years. It may quote unquote work in the short term because a lot of the studies we have on dieting or diets in general may last for 30 days or six weeks or three months, but I'm hoping that we are all going to be alive for longer than 30 days or six weeks or three months. So just ask, what does this look like for the long term when it comes to my health? Because what we do know about dieting and restriction when we look at the research and the science is that it does increase our risk for disordered eating, for yo-yo dieting or weight cycling is the more scientific term there where our weight is low, our weight is high, our weight is low again, and we are not at that genetically set point weight, which inherently can increase our risk of disease of all different types. So again, before I hop on my research horse entirely, if you are receiving this recommendation, this quote unquote lazy medicine from your healthcare professional, say, oh, I'm really interested. Can you explain why that's your recommendation? Do you have anything else for me that is maybe not focused on a diet? Do you have any research to show this restrictive plan of action or this diet is going to be helpful for me? in the long run and it won't lead me to weight cycling or maybe hopping into a disordered eating pattern and see how it goes from there. So I know that was a pretty long answer because that question has a lot of layers and there's a lot of nuance there, but I hope to all of the people, to the 50 to 100 of you who asked that question in my question box, that is helpful. Now, the second question that I got a fair amount of had something to do with needing to lose weight for fertility purposes, whether that is trying to conceive or going through fertility treatment. So if you have questions about this, I am going to refer you 
to my last podcast episode. It was episode 97, so literally the episode right before this one with my friend Nicola Salmon. She is a fat-positive fertility expert, and she helps people unpack this recommendation and all of the questions surrounding weight loss and fertility. In fact, in that episode that I am referring you to, I ask her that question, is lose weight for fertility a valid recommendation? Is it helpful? She provides a whole answer to this that is so helpful, not only based on her own experience, but also the work she does with her clients and other individuals as well. So again, check out that episode and her handle on social media if you want to get more of her information, more of her resources is at Fat Positive Fertility on Instagram, Facebook. I'm not sure if Nicola's on TikTok, but you can definitely find her on Instagram and she has a lot of really helpful content, so check her out there. Question three is what advice do you have for teens regarding eating? I love, love, love this question so much. And I have to say for any teen who is listening to the podcast, who is following along on social media or on TikTok especially, I wish podcasts existed when I was a teen. I feel like there is a lot of helpful information out there, especially in the podcasting world. It's a little bit more debatable in the realm of TikTok. There's definitely some content there that is not so helpful when it comes to food and eating, but if you're on a podcast like this or some of the other really incredible intuitive eating podcasts, that is wonderful, and I wish that existed when I was a teenager. But anyways, I digress. So for all the teens out there who might be listening, I would love to share with you that your body is incredible and it is doing so many incredible things for you. And all of those things helping you to breathe, helping your heartbeat, helping you to grow because you are still growing if you are a teenager, helping you to focus, to learn, to interact with your friends and family, all of that takes a lot of energy, probably more energy, aka food, than you're probably seeing represented on your For You page on TikTok, on those What I Eat in a Day videos, because so many of those are steeped in diet culture, in disordered eating patterns that are really trying to convince you that your body is wrong and that you need to eat less. So if you are listening here, any of my teens, and this goes for my adults or people of any age who might be listening to the podcast, but answering this questions for teens specifically, your body is incredible. Like I said, it does so many amazing things for you and that requires adequate energy, even if that is more than what you are seeing in what your friends are eating on those social media feeds. So please try not to let anyone trick you into eating less and changing your body because your body is amazing and your body needs energy. And what I said a couple of moments ago to the fact that you are still growing That is very true, you are still growing, your body is doing a lot of things when it is getting you closer to adulthood. So jumping into 
a fad diet or a restrictive way of eating of any type is not going to be helpful for you, either physically or mentally or emotionally or socially in setting you up for a strong and healthy life. So if you are a teenager looking for more information on intuitive eating and what that means for your life as you are still growing and figuring out the world and navigating it all and just trying to figure everything out. There is a really awesome book actually by one of the co-authors of Intuitive Eating. Her name is Elise Resch. The book is titled The Intuitive Eating Workbook for Teens, a non-diet body positive approach to building a healthy relationship with food. That book is available on Amazon. And I would highly recommend it to any teenager or maybe any parents of teenagers who are listening if you're wanting to bring some more of this message into your teen's life or into your life if you are the teen. The next question I have is how can I manage intuitive eating while on a budget? Honoring my cravings will increase my food budget. So I am so happy that I got this question. And to be honest, it was there a couple of times in this question box because there is a lot of financial privilege behind the advice to quote, eat what you love and honor your cravings, right? Some of those general phrases that we hear being associated with the intuitive eating message because that statement or that piece of advice really assumes that you have access to an abundance of food at all times, which is not always the case for many people. So if you are finding yourself in this same boat where you want to be an intuitive eater, you want to heal your relationship with food, and at the same time, you need to be mindful of how you're spending or what your grocery budget looks like, I will encourage you to ask yourself the question, what foods do I typically crave? Do I typically find myself craving sweet foods, salty foods, savory foods, maybe a combination of all of those? And what is maybe a way that I can bring some foods matching those descriptions into my home in a way that makes sense for me, my life, and my budget? So in general, when it comes to keeping foods on hand that are budget friendly, I am a huge fan of all things canned and frozen. A, because they can be cost effective. B, because they do not have the limited shelf life that many other foods we may buy have. And they are nutritious, they are delicious, they are just as good as our fresh foods that we may sometimes buy. I know the diet culture that we live in really likes to demonize anything that is quote unquote processed. I put that in heavy air quotes because every food that we bring into our homes is processed in some way, <laughs> whether it's the kale that's been chopped and washed and put in the bag, that is processed, or the peaches that have been put in a can to prolong their shelf life. So I know we live in this world that demonizes some foods in some forms, but all I am concerned about for anyone listening, for myself, for any of my clients is that we have enough food and we have enough energy and that is going to look different 
for everyone. So if for you that looks like buying canned goods, buying frozen items so that you have a variety of foods on hand that aren't going to go bad so quickly, that are maybe a little bit more budget friendly, please offer yourself permission to explore some options and some opportunities in those categories. Also a tip that I have for looking for a variety of foods that might be more cost effective is to look for the store brand of particular products instead of the name brand of particular products. This will depend on where you are shopping. I know most grocery stores make their own version of some of the really popular products that we see. I know for me, of course, you can buy pretzels, for example, that are the Snyder's, are the Utz brand, and you can also buy the same exact pretzel with the same exact ingredients with the store brand. I know they have the same for certain drinks or certain condiments or certain canned goods even. So that can be really helpful to keep an eye out if you really love the name brand of something and you want to keep that food around, you want to make peace with that food, but it's a little bit more on the pricey side and that is a barrier for you. Try to see if there's another option, another brand that is similar, but it just goes under another name and therefore they charge less for it. Also, the last thing I will mention here is you may find it helpful to keep an eye on the sales papers for your local grocery store. This is a favorite pastime of mine. I don't know if anyone else agrees whenever I get the, the weekly flyer in my mailbox, I'm always looking through to see what are their BOGO deals, the buy one, get one free. Maybe for you, um, using, I don't know, X amount of money to buy one product seems really crazy and really expensive, but if you're able to get two for the price of one, sometimes three for the price of one. I was at the grocery store the other day and they had a buy two, get three for free. So if you might find that helpful to get, you know, more for less based on whatever sale they have going, a little bit of foresight and a little bit of planning and checking out the sales papers. I say papers like I'm a thousand years old. Maybe they also have these online. I don't know. I'm a big fan of looking at the actual paper that comes in the mailbox, but looking ahead, maybe planning out and being thoughtful in how you are going to bring in foods in a way that makes more sense for you and also allow space for you to enjoy them and bring them into your life in a way that is budget friendly. So I hope my answer to that was helpful. And two, I will say sometimes having that foresight of bringing foods in in a cost-effective way and bringing foods with you whenever you're going out, say you're going on a road trip or say you're going to the office, maybe when we're not in pandemic state, if we ever get back to being in offices. But I know sometimes when we get hit with a craving and we don't have anything with us, that is when there can really be that financial barrier of, but I don't want to be going out and buying food all the time. And if that is you, if you have something with you, again, maybe it's something store brand that you've bought, maybe it's something that you've had in the pantry for a while, but you keep it on hand because you know, oh my gosh, typically around 3 p.m. most days I'm craving something sweet, but now I have that thing with me. 
I've done a little bit of planning ahead, a little bit of prepping, so I'm ready to honor that craving. That may make leaning into those cravings, honoring your hunger a bit more accessible, so you don't always feel like you have to go out and buy food or eat at a restaurant or go through a drive-through every time you have one of those cravings. So again, had to throw that little last tidbit in there because I forgot to say it, but I hope you find that answer helpful. Second to last question. I love this one. I'm like rubbing my hands together <laughs> behind the mic like I'm plotting a takedown for this next question. So this listener or this follower writes, is BMI a load of crap, and I quote, or is there any validity to it? So my short answer to this question is that it is a steamy, smelly load of crap. <laughs> I hope that was a good visual for you. My longer answer, if you're looking for a little bit more depth behind that visual that you just received, is the BMI index. And if you don't know, BMI stands for Body Mass Index, was created in the early 19th century by a Belgian mathematician. Notice I said mathematician, not physician, sound kind of similar, but they're definitely not the same thing, named Adolf Quayle, I think is how you say his name. It's kind of one of those names where you look at it and you cross your fingers and hope you're pronouncing it correctly because it has a lot of T's that I think are silent. Anyways, his name is not as relevant as the rest of my story here. So he used this formula back in the early 19th century to measure the health of his general population of his community to assist the government back then in allocating resources. So again, note there that I said the general population, not the health of individuals. And to add on to that, the population that he was measuring or basing this equation off of at the time when he came up with it was made up largely of European white males. So the fact that we use this index or this tool now to measure the health, heavy air quotes there, you can't see me, but I'm heavy air quoting that word health, of all individuals now with different backgrounds, races, ethnicities, genders, etc., is kind of insane <laughs> that we are using, again, this index, this tool that was created eons ago for a very different population made up of many similar bodies, and it was used to gauge the general health of that population. But now, years later, we're using the same tool on a variety of bodies, on a variety of backgrounds to measure the health of individuals. Again, seems kind of insane that we haven't chucked this thing out the nearest window. And bringing us up to speed to something that happened a little bit more recently than the early 19th century, but the National Institutes of Health, or the NIH, actually lowered BMI cutoffs or the ranges for each category in 1998. So what I mean by this is literally overnight, millions of people went from being the quote unquote normal weight to again, air quotes here, overweight without any change to their physical bodies, again, literally overnight. So if that doesn't make you question the BMI scale, I am not sure what will. So if you have any 
shame, any anything really wrapped around you and this number and how it relates to your life, I will really encourage you to remember that this tool was developed a very long time ago by someone who had no medical background. It is very outdated. It was never meant to gauge the health of an individual and the fact that people were in one category and had to jump to the next category literally overnight with no change to their bodies really goes to show that there is no validity to measuring our health, your health, the health of an individual based on this very arbitrary scale or that math equation. So (laughs) steamy load of dump or steamy load of crap. There we go. Uh, That is my my thoughts or my takeaways on the the BMI scale. If you want more on BMI and the history behind it and just even more in depth on what I just talked about, I would highly recommend the book Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison. It came out this past December, so December 2019, it goes into depth on the history of a lot of things that have helped to shape and form the diet culture that we know today. So if you're interested, not only in diving more into what I just shared, but a lot of other stuff that has helped to shape our culture and our diet culture more specifically, would highly recommend that book, again, Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison. Lastly, we're really kind of uh, changing tides here. We go from BMI and intuitive eating on a budget to a question, what is it like to create your own business? So I wanted to end our Q&A with this question that's a little bit lighter, it's a little bit less food focused to kind of bring a balance to things. So to my listener, actually a couple of you who asked, what is it like to create your own business? I am maybe assuming, maybe I'm jumping too much to an assumption here, but maybe I can assume that you are a dietitian yourself Maybe you're a health professional, maybe you're a therapist, and maybe, just maybe, you're thinking of doing something similar. I would love to share with you that it is fun. It is so much fun, and at the same time, it is a lot of work. It is something that will bring you a lot of joy and satisfaction and may also keep you up at night. It will keep the wheels of your brain, especially the creative side of your brain, turning at all times, which for me personally, I love. I love creating content, making videos, recording podcasts, doing stuff like this. So if that is something that you also might enjoy and you like doing something different and trying to help people and put out a different message out there, it may be for you. Um, Also, the last thing that I will add is it's something that always keeps you learning, not only about your field of work, so it always keeps me learning about nutrition science and counseling and the new research about intuitive eating and health at every size that's coming out, so you stay very up-to-date on that, but it also keeps you learning about marketing and social media trends and finances and all of that. So again, if that is something that sounds exciting to you, maybe that will be up your alley. And for any dietitian, healthcare professional, therapist who is thinking of starting your own practice, always feel free to shoot me a DM. I love connecting with like-minded professionals and offering any tidbits, any tips that I can. So I'd be happy to hear you out. 
But my listeners, that brings us to the end of our Q&A episode. I hope you found some of these answers helpful. Again, I tried to go back through many of my responses and combine a lot of questions that were similar or pick ones that I thought other people might have a lot of questions about. So hopefully you're walking away with learning something new, speaking about learning something new, right? Or maybe a tip or an actionable item that you can take and implement into your own life or your intuitive eating journey starting now. So as always, if you enjoyed this episode or anything else that I share here on the podcast, please If you have any time at all, it is the best way to say thank you and to pay it forward by tapping those five stars and leaving a review, sharing what you enjoy about the show, what you were learning. That is the way that more people can find us and hear this message and seeing all of you listening and all of the reviews brings a big smile to my face as well, Uh, selfishly, but I had to add that in there. So um, I thank you for doing that in advance. If you would like to share this episode, you can screenshot it, upload it to your story, give me a tag. If you're listening on iTunes, you can tap the three dots in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen and you will get a shareable link to blast out to your friends, your family member, your dog, I don't know, anyone who likes to listen to podcasts and we'll get them on board as well. But until next week, next week I will be back with a guest interview, so stay tuned and take care. Yours truly, Claire.